Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hey Star Wars fans and welcome to Spark of Rebellion. This is your weekly Star Wars podcast brought to you every week from the two guys in the UK that try and get their heads around what's happening in Star Wars lore, whether it be about the Mandalorian, books, films, whatever you like. And we'll also try and bring you a little bit of news when we're not reviewing some new Star Warsy stuff. I hope you guys have had a good week, that you're staying safe and healthy. This is episode 85. Welcome to another week. My name's Gary, one of your hosts. And joining me, as always, my co-pilot in the Falcon, it is the top dude, the top dog, numero uno, Mr. Mark Asquith. How you doing, buddy? I like to be numero dos, actually. I like to be second in command. You open the door, I go through the door, throw the thermal detonator in, I do a little roll, take down three stormtroopers, have a galaxy. That's what I've been doing this week, actually, a lot of that. Yeah, that is a weekly thing now, I must admit. Do it every Thursday, half three. And a good thing Not is, like to talk about it. well, the stormtroopers—they're still, as we will come on to in a little while, they're still an absolutely awful shot. So I'm very glad you wrote that down as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable they do suck. to a degree. We had to let him go in the end. He was terrible. Yeah, we had this stormtrooper start. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> You've got integrity. You're in. We had to let him go in. His shot was he rubbish. Was. It was rubbish. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's something that I wrote down as well. Oh, I'm all right. Thanks, dude. What about you? Doing all right? Had a good Star Warsy week? Uh, not a bad Star Warsy week, dude. Um, I, wa- I went back and watched some of the season one stuff on The Mandalorian, uh, just mm. for the hell of it. Just for the hell of it. And do you know what? The consistency between both seasons is awesome, you know. You know, with some, you know, with some TV series, when you go through like season two and three or however many there are, you start to pick up on those little things that they've changed. So it might be they've replaced like a supporting actor or they've upped the production quality, whatever it might be. But with The Mandalorian, dude, it's just like bang on. You could watch every single episode together as one mega film and it would be like so consistent. It'd be awesome. So I went back and watched a few of those. Also um, locked off a few chapters on Alphabet Squadron. So that's good. And you were absolutely right, dude. It's like right from the get go. It's like here's a million characters that you've <laughs> that you've not heard from before in the Star Wars universe. So you need to get to know all those people. But um yeah, so I'm only two chapters in, but it's fairly decent so far. And uh and I think do you know what this is kind of crazy, but I think I need to read the third aftermath book. I realised that I've left that one out, you know. I read the first two. But I really I really need to go back and read read that. I don't know why I abandoned that series. I think maybe just another book came along or whatever it might be. But I know you've read those three, so is it worth rounding out the series with those? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's what's so what's fascinating about I think the aftermath stuff is <clears throat> like you get all these little mini characters like Snap Wexley and and Mister Bones, the old B one battle droid, you know, and then Snap makes an appearance in in JJ Abrams series, um, 
It's his, it's his mate, isn't it? Greg Grunberg. Um, and he, so, so like that, that little bits of, of, of tie in is always fascinating. But I think the biggest stuff like with Aftermath is um, some of the peripheral empire characters, the imperial characters, um, you know, the people like Ray Sloan and um, the people that show up, even Massa Meda, you know, the, the, the whole finally backing down from the empire and, to, you know, really signing the new treaty with the new republic and then what happens with my Mothma and Leia and... Like it, it, it feels like really important stuff, and even the Battle of Jakku is covered, even though we don't get much, we don't get too much Luke Skywalker stuff in that. So it's kind of, um, <clears throat> it's kind of interesting because it does tie it all together. Now, what I think is fascinating from a Mandalorian perspective that I think you'll quite like is that that stuff is obviously happening like right over there, or it happened right over there, way over there, and then the Mandalorian and Moff Gideon, it's, it, they're kind of doing something else over here, like in this corner of the universe. But it's all like outer rim stuff, which is fascinating, like Tatooine and Jakku's fairly close to Tatooine from what I can remember. Um, <clears throat> so it's it, it's actually quite fascinating how they've structured it with all these little cells. And even like Alphabet Squadron, you know, the, the, the like you said, it's, it's one cell of people. Um, so all these different things, and I know we'll, we'll kind of come on to the Mando a little bit more later, but like they, they set all these different things up happening in different places. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then you know you get you get things like the Mandalorian that then start to wrap a bit of a net around them all and pull certain bits together, you know, into into little clusters of of content. So, yeah, dude, I think you'd like that, and especially with Alphabet Squadron as well. I think it, it sort of that's quite a nice little top and tail for you know what's happening during the Empire, what's happening post Empire, and just yeah, quick one on Alphabet Squadron. It really, really is like bang, 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 bang. There's a load of new characters. Like I don't know if you found it, but I I found it difficult to enjoy the first half of Alphabet Squadron because it was like, what is going on? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then certain characters show up, and you're like, oh, that's cool. Know that one. And it's just like there's a hell of a lot to take in, dude. There is, man. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's not the biggest book either. So they've crammed a lot into a, I wouldn't say it's a small book, but you know, it's not one of the, in terms of volume, content number of pages, whatever. It's like, you know, fairly mediocre. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm finding that like straight away within these first two chapters, it's like, whoa, here's like six new characters already, you know, plus one I've, I've recognized, but yeah, it's going to be cool going through it, but uh, I'm already planning the next one as well. So initially I was drawn to the next, there's, there's another um, squadron style book, isn't there? It's not, it's, um, uh, it's the purple and white cover. Um, forgotten the title, but that's like the next one on from alphabet squadron. So it's either that, or it might be, um, the Han Solo book that I picked up ages ago, which I'm again, not read. I think it's called first shot. Or I'd be Last fascinated shot. about that, dude. Uh, if you read that, I'd be fascinated because I've not read it either. And it, it, going back and revisiting solo a couple of times, I'm like, actually, this is, this is pretty decent. So yeah, I'd be really curious what you think of that, dude. Yeah, definitely, dude. definitely. Yeah, last shot. Sorry, first shot would be a bit controversial, obviously. Oh yeah, it would. Sure, sure. Yep. Are you up, are you up to anything Star Warsy? Not loads. I'm still blasting through Dark Tower, dude. Like I am blasting through Stephen that. King. Um, mm. I've got to get it done. I have got to get it done. Although Star Wars <laughs> does make an appearance in that a couple of times. Uh, Are you doing this thing with uh, with Dark Tower where like you started it, and it's a bit of a mammoth thing? It's quite, and those books are quite heavy, <laughs> so you've just got to get through it, like force yourself to finish the whole thing. 
Well, I'm enjoying it. You know me, I'm like a, <clears throat> a big mythology person. I love like interconnected stuff. So I'm like, and I've been a Stephen King fan for years. So all the stuff that I'd read, I think I mentioned it before, I'm, I'm, I'm now having to go back through the ones that I'd previously read and read some of them again because I couldn't, like I knew the tower references were in there, but I'd never appreciated them. So like Insomnia, Hearts in Atlantis in particular, um, I didn't do the stand again because I've read that a hell of a lot and there's no chance on planet Earth that I'd get through the stand this year. <laughs> um, and mind you, the stand's coming out on HBO, so I might use that as the as a little little cornerstone. Um, is it, is it HBO might be another one. Um, so, so like it's it's been one of those where I started in February. I was like, yeah, I'm going to smash these out seven books, easy, get through it quickly. Uh, and then I I've, I must have read another seven or ten extra peripheral book so dude it's kicking my ass like i want to get it done by the end of the year and i'm nearly there i'm like 63 percent through the last book um but yeah lightsabers and all sorts of stuff pop up in that which was fascinating i was like what that's cool oh, nice. um so yeah i just need to smash through that minute so not much star wars stuff apart from mando of course yeah no i read you yeah i'm like that with um it's not as, as epic as what you're reading but i'm like that with lord of the rings so every couple of years i read through that and i'm like loving it through the first book, like Fellowship, and then halfway through. I mean, don't get me wrong; they're really enjoyable to read if that's your thing. But man, it's like a big old book, and like, yeah, like you, like sixty percent odd in. I'm like, okay, this is really cool. I'm only just halfway through. Frick, I've got like another like how many weeks of reading? But I read you, man. I read you. Right before we crack on with the rest of the show, we're going to get onto a couple of bits of news uh, in a second, and then obviously onto our review of Chapter Fourteen of The Mandalorian. Before that, though, remember to subscribe to our show in whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, any of that stuff. Just find us on there just to search for Spark of Rebellion. We'd love to have you as a as a subscriber. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Saturday. Uh, or if you want to find some other apps, just go over to the website, sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. That will link you off to all of those things. Uh, or you can listen to all of the shows on our website, which is sparkofrebellion.com. They have, uh, we have all of our individual shows on there, uh, which is a, a really cool website spun up by our cool podcast host, Captivate.fm. They sort all that stuff out for us. So uh, yeah, go and check that out. Uh, we're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. Just go and uh, uh, give a, a search for us over there. Uh, we post little tidbits about Star Wars throughout the week. And if you like the show, want to support what we do here, then you can do that over on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. You can jump on from $1 upwards, get yourself some SOR swag. And very big thank you to our current patrons who have supported the show for a while now. It's uh, very much appreciated. And uh, obviously with stuff that's going on right now, this is in no way, you know, we don't need this. But anyone that does like to support, that's really awesome. So uh, thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, right, a couple of bits of newsy bits to go through first. The first one, and I hate kicking off with sad news but uh the the dark lord darth vader himself has passed on which is really sad so david prowse the dude uh that was synonymous with playing um darth vader um in the original trilogy and was huge pretty much for the rest of his life really on the convention scene uh sadly left us uh, i think he had a short illness a little while ago uh, so david prowse dude it's um i met him once at a convention he was at milton Keynes of all places 
Collectomania, Milton Keynes, <laughs> about 10 years ago, I think. Uh, he was such a lovely guy, man. He was like really, it was really weird because when he was at his desk and you could see all like the photographs out and he was there, he looked bored out of his mind. He looked proper grumpy. And as soon as I approached him, I was like, he just face just lit up and he was like really chatty and he was really friendly and stuff. So really lovely guy, man. And uh, yeah, just Darth Vader, man. You can't, what more can you say? Yeah, sad news, sad news. Apparently it was a, he'd been struggling with an illness with complications from COVID as well. So screw you, COVID, once more. Um, yeah, yeah, rest in peace. I mean, I, I, I kind of knew him first as the guy that trained Chris Reeve for Superman. That was my, back in the day, I was like, oh, like got into a little bit of that stuff. And then, then you realise, wait a sec, he was the body of Vader and, you know, all these other things. Of course, the Green Cross Code man from really like early memories of watching TV at my mm. granddad's. Um, and I never realised that was him until much later as well. So, yeah, yeah, just very, very sad news. So rest in peace, uh, David Prowse, like you said. There seemed to be such a good person for the community. Um, so, yeah, sad news to kick off with, dude. Yeah, indeedy. Yes, but on to some better news. Uh, we have some more Disney Plus stuff happening next year, which is good. So throughout all of this year, pretty much we've had discussion around rumors around what's going to happen with disney plus and star wars what they're going to do next we've had loads of names thrown out there but one that's been kind of just bubbling away in the background which we heard about a long almost a year ago but they've not really shouted about it as now picking up a bit of steam so uh, the actor diego luna was on jimmy kimmel last night virtually of course and he was questioning about what he's up to at the moment and he's over in london so what you're doing in london oh i'm filming the new um Cassian Andor series by the way just drop that in there really casually I'm just filming a new Star Wars series so that's really cool so we know 100% that that is now in production that's happening so dude something else to look forward to next year on Disney Plus so we should get next year Mando series 3 Cassian Andor and then this other thing right so it's probably going to be Obi-Wan but it could also be one of these other things right Um, Ah Ahsoka series Ezra whatever you want to call it so uh, 2021's looking pretty decent for Disney Plus. Yeah, and I think it needs it, dude. I think I saw an article out there that I can't remember who it was from. Maybe someone, it wasn't The Verge, but it was someone like The Verge. Um, and there's been kind of some juxtaposed ideas, juxtaposition records, where the <laughs> the idea of, and we've spoken about this, the idea of the Mandalorian taking on a hell of a lot by introducing these other characters. Um and, you know, becoming a little bit too big for itself and not focusing on the Mandalorian. I know, I know we'll get to that, but I think it's kind of, I think it's balanced it really well, if I'm honest. I think I'm surprised how well it's been balanced. Um, so there was that kind of, that kind of idea, you know, that we'd spoken about. Is it taking on a little bit too much? And then I saw this other very interesting perspective, which was, um, it kind of needs to do that. Because Disney Plus, frankly, doesn't have that much else going on. I know it's got a few like nice documentaries, and don't get me wrong, they are very, very well done documentaries. But it, apart from like historical legacy content from varying networks and properties that it's bought, it doesn't have that much. So I think it's really good news. I think it needs an injection because I'm not saying that I would, but if a friend of mine said to me, do you want to get Mandalorian on the snifter? I'd be like, don't agree with that in the workplace. <laughs> but what I will do is take it under advisement. And should it come round to a cost-saving exercise, cost-benefit analysis, uh, then maybe, 
maybe I'd discuss it with you in the future. What I'm saying is they need something to keep our money coming through because there's not that much on there. So yeah, I think it needs an injection, dude. And I think that's like they said, the Mandalorian is really acting as this injection of like, it would be difficult for you and I to cancel um, Disney plus before the year end mm-hmm. because of Mandalorian. But after yeah. that, it's like, well, could just re-sign up when the Mandalorian comes back out again next year. You know what I mean? So it's, I think it, we need a bit of news, man. Yeah, defo. And, um, I took that deal early on where you signed up for Disney plus for a year. I think it was, I don't know, 40 quid, 45 quid, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was like remember. 40, 50 quid, wasn't it, for the year? Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest with you, if I was paying for it monthly after the Mando's finished and we had nothing else on the radar, probably would have just cancelled it. There's only so many times you can watch Ant-Man and the Wasp or, you know, whatever. Uh, and obviously we own all of the star wars films physically already so there's no need to continuously pay to watch star wars when you've got those already so i don't know man it's a it's a strange one that the mando's carrying it it feels like well from a star wars fan's perspective it's weird that the mando's carrying it where it shouldn't be really Um, but then i guess you know 2020 covid production and all that crap so but yeah 2021 looking pretty good and i don't agree with that in the workplace I don't agree with that. I, I like stuff you do about his little hand. Nah, I don't do stuff about his little hand. Yeah, you do. Little wanking claw. Because it wasn't vicious. <laughs> yeah? Right, 2021. That's going to happen. Cassie and Andor. So that's going to be cool. Uh, interesting character before we move on. Uh, because he was a pivotal character, obviously, in Rogue One. Really important guy. However, he just popped out of nowhere. I know that's kind of cool sometimes in Star Wars. But you know what Star Wars fans are like? They want to know when he was born what he ate as a toddler, where he played. You know, they want to know the ins and outs of absolutely everything. So at least we get a, a little bit of insight into what led up to Rogue One, because it's prequel. So obviously he's not going to be a Force ghost after Rogue One because he wasn't a Jedi. So, Well, you never bloody know. Everyone's got Force powers these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're too bloody fast. Throw around the Force. Yeah. What's interesting about this kid is that uh, he was like, the, he was like the, the, the straddle the line wasn't he? He was like, well, I'm still going to shoot this guy to get away. You're like, what? That is a rebellion good guy. I think Rogue One was like, outside of the books, like the Lost Star stuff and some of the stuff that questions the, uh, you know, the perspectives. You know, I'm a good guy because I'm on the side of the Empire. That's what I believe in. So I'm the good guy. I think there's a lot of nuance entering Star Wars a little bit more now. I know I know a lot of the legends canon because it's gone. Like we didn't really have that nuance outside of maybe Clone Wars and a little bit in Rebels. Um, you know, but like with Clone Wars, you saw people like Yularen, you know, who was, wait a minute, that's the guy from New Hope. He was on the side of the Empire. And why is he fighting for the good guys? Like that was a little bit of nuance if you really dug into it. But this was the first time we really saw someone that was a quote unquote 1980s goodie shoot someone just to get away and because they might give the game up. Um, so really it could be quite interesting. Like if it's a bit espionage and, you know, it's got, a, it's got a little bit going for it. So we'll see, we'll see. But right now he's not an interesting character because no one knows anything. I think um, that's why I think the play with the Mandalorian early was a good one because it's like, ooh, that's Boba Fett. And you're like, no, 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 it's not. But it's enough to get you interested. Like, who is that guy that I recognise? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously the story plays out. So yeah, reasonably smart move, I think. Um, but they've got to get their foot down, dude. That's right. They're burning daylight. Let's get on it. Anyways. That's what's happening over at Disney Plus. Back on Disney Plus. Chapter 14, dude. 
the tragedy. A uh, quick recap. So Mando is on his way to Tython after Ahsoka said, go to this place and do this thing. So he goes to Tython and he's like, right, I need to put Grogu on the seeing stone. Some force shit's going to happen. Jedi's going to turn up. End of story. Of course, it's not going to go down like that. We knew it wasn't going to go down like that. Really big uh, turn up. So a few episodes ago, there was that bald dude at the end. He was like, is that Boba Fett? Probably. But it would be better if it was like Rex or something like that for the link with Ahsoka and all that lot. So you and I, so we went back and forward like, is it Boba? No, no, no. Yeah, it is. Maybe. I don't know. It's probably not. It is Boba. Got his armor back. Badass couple of scenes there. He's also uh, teamed up with um, a character from season one, uh, Fennec Shand. So she's back. She's now got like a life debt to Boba Fett because he saved her. And he basically just wants his armor back. Uh, While this is all going on, Gideon is like, yep, tracking beacons on the Razor Crest. We know what's going on. Let's send down like some cannon fodder for a little while just to provide some action uh, with the uh, terrible shot stormtroopers. Uh, they fail. Uh, while this is all, all this is going on, uh, Grogu is in the Force Stone with some badass force field, no pun intended, force stuff going on. Uh, and then Gideon's like, right, I've had enough. Send down the dark troopers. They go down while those like, are engaged in battle with those guys. They take uh, Grogu, off they go. And then, yeah, there's a couple of cool scenes at the end. But Essentially, the crux of the matter is uh, Gideon has now got Grogu back. So now he's like, go and tell the scientist, dude, we've got the asset back. We can now resume, you know, whatever this they're doing. So they've got the donor back, apparently. And we see a bit more of the dark saber, which is very cool. And uh, yeah, so we've had some questions answered in this one, I would say. So we still didn't know 100% if that was Boba Fett. It is. Uh, and now we're back on um, Navarro. We see Cara Dune. He's obviously putting a team together to go and rescue Grogu. So the, the final two part is going to be awesome. And we still, I think we're still going to see another Jedi as well as Ahsoka. Because all of that force stuff that was happening when he was on the Seeing Stone, uh, that went on for quite a while. So there's bound to be another Jedi that picked up on that. Will it be Luke? We don't know. Will it be, I don't know. But anyway, do you want to get your first impressions on this, just like an overall uh, as we move through the series? So we're two episodes away from the finale now. So is this a decent ramp up into that finale? It pains me to say it because last week with Ahsoka it was absolutely fantastic. And like Ahsoka is one of the best characters in Star Wars overall. But for me, this was the best episode of The Mandalorian yet. It was by far the best episode. Um, because of the payoff, but also just because of how it was structured and um, it was Robert Rodriguez that directed it, so you get stylized stuff. You know, the guy behind Alita, the guy behind, uh, you know, Sin City. You are going to get some very serious quality directing going on. And the guy um, behind and we Spy Kids. And Spy Let's Kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very famously uh, Spy Kids, which is a badass film back in the day. And, uh, you know, maybe not so much now. Uh, Stallone was the bad guy, wasn't he? Hey, what fever? He's always around, isn't he, Stallone? He connects everything. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he's like the Kevin Bacon of the world. He's like Kevin Bacon 2.0. Um, what bacon? Um, so it was <clears throat> it was good because Robert, I mean, you, you could see the influence of Robert Rodriguez straight through, you know, from the violence to the, the way the violence was shot. Um, 
I thought it was a wonderful looking episode. The production quality again was great when we saw the stormtroopers. It was weird when we saw the stormtroopers in the day and the way that they'd filmed it, the pan shots and some of the wide angle shots. Do you know what it felt like? It felt like a cross between Power Rangers and Starship Troopers. Like, it had that kind of on-the-ground, mucky, dirty, yet it's just people in plastic costumes feel to it. You know, it was kind of this weird little setup. It was nice. I, I enjoyed it. But, dude, yeah, I, I, for varying reasons, thought this was the best episode of The Mandalorian by far, by far. What about you? Uh, yeah, I thought this one was a, a belter. Dude, I think it had, you know, as we've gone through season one and now so far in season two, it's clear that with some, with some episodes, there's just certain ingredients that you, you mix together. It just make some episodes really, really good. And this had all of that. It had lore. It had force stuff. It had lo- like tons of action. Um, names from other parts of Star Wars, obviously with Boba Fett and stuff. And, uh, and also a little bit of like, holy shit. Like, I did not see um, Gideon actually getting hold of Grogu at this point. I thought this was going to be a big cliffhanger thing, where at the end he was going to, like, Mando was down and out, Grogu's gone. Like, oh my God, season three can't come soon enough to find out what's going on here. But no, man, they've they've done all that stuff. So yeah, it had all the stuff in there that was, that just makes it a really good watch. And, And you're right, you can tell that Rodriguez is all over this one. It had that kind of, uh, yeah, like sort of, uh, messy, sandy, out location kind of thing going on. Uh, it's just, they must have, like, I can't the imagine the money that was involved with that because I don't think, I think this is first ever time directing a television show. He's never done anything else before. They're like, dude, we need you to come and direct an episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, film's my thing, you know. I just don't do TV. Just pass me that napkin. Right. Have a look. What do you reckon? All right. I'm interested. You got me curious. So that was it. <laughs> what food? <laughs> and that was it. And then he's on board. So you can tell, like like you said, it's uh, um, his fingerprints all over it, which is a really good thing because with the amount of action and stuff that was going on in this one, and not just like pew, 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 like when Boba Fett just gets gets his hands dirty with that really cool like pointy staff thing. Dude, that was some violence there, man. Like splitting open stormtroopers' helmets, stabbing them through the chest and all that stuff. That was like, whoa. That was badass. So, yeah, dude, like a, a, a belter of an episode. And also what was cool was I did not expect the the whole force thing to happen either. I honestly thought this was going to be one of those red herrings where I, I knew that he was going to get to the seeing stone and all that stuff, but... I just thought it was going to be an anti-climax. Like he put him, popped him on there and then he's just like chasing frogs again and, you know, nothing was going to happen. But when that whole, fo- like when he comes back up, because at first nothing happens and he wanders off, he can see the stormtrooper ship. He's like, oh, we got company. Turns around and then all of a sudden he's like in that meditation pose and all that blue force energy. It, that was badass, man. So I did not, I didn't think that was going to happen. So loving like the force stuff that's happened so far in Mando 2, like in last week, when uh, Grogu and uh, Ahsoka were communicating through the Force, and we get that little bit of deep dive into it, that was really cool. But um, one thing that was interesting, though, is that I think this is one of the first times where we've actually seen the Force 
that makes sense. Everything else so far has been like just invisible. You would you, you don't really see it if that makes sense. So where you saw this whole blue energy stuff, this force energy coming off of that stone, that looked badass, dude. So do you reckon this is as much as we're going to see now with the force? Because I, I feel like the last two part is going to be like a very big um, sort of base under siege with these guys trying to spring Grogu from Gideon. It's going to be very much pew pew and action and stuff. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I agree. I mean, they're going to break out Ladder. You know, they're going to break out uh, <laughs> Brian Cranston's brother from Breaking Bad. What's his name? Mass something. <laughs> you know, the the, the guy. Um, they're gonna they're gonna break him out. Um, and you're right. It feels like a bit of an under siege kind of heist thing is coming up, which is not a bad thing because Mando does that pretty well. Um, but it feels like the last the, you know, the last few episodes have just given us enough lore in each episode to really kind of keep it interesting so I don't know I feel like we'll probably get a little bit more law stuff and I wonder whether um like we're gonna see they need to give us a, a big holy crap finish so I wonder whether it's like you know it becomes one of those we're down and out what are you doing here to help us out you know who's the person that turns up and it might not be a it might not be a light sider who heard the the force call it might have been a dark sider you know, we don't know about any of that stuff. It might not have been a Jedi. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you're if you're a Quinlan Voss still out there, you know, you're a little bit on the grey side. It, it, there, are, there are characters like that that it feels like the Mandalorian have got no problem throwing in now because they're just, they're embracing it all. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm honest. I think it would be hard for them to not throw any more lore in. And... But I think that will be just as a reaction to the Force stuff. Because you're right, I'm the same as you. I made a note of the, the way the Force stuff looked like. I think outside of, like, the Bendu and maybe Mortis, like, I can't think of any other time that we've seen a visual representation in this new canon. Um, certainly not as, as specific and as big and as large scale as that. Because that kid was there for a long time doing his thing. You know, it's, the episode took place in what appeared to be sort of real time. So... He was on that stone for 20 minutes, chucking his, his force energy out. Like, someone's picked that up, surely. You know, for that, imagine Luke Skywalker or Vader or Anakin or Yoda doing 20 minutes of here I am. Like, someone somewhere gets that. Um, so I think it's fascinating, like, how powerful is this kid? It was interesting to see that, um, like, the way that they'd done Tython or Tython, it was very much like the Bendu-style setup in Rebels, you know, that kind of little... Um, um, arena, that little kind of um, amphitheater thing going on. Um, the, the 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 kind of hieroglyphs on there, the way that we saw the force, just like why was the force? Unless he was actively trying to get his force connection out into the world, why would it shoot up and out? Like it's a seeing stone. It's not a project this thing like Sauron stone. You know what I mean? It's a it's a it's a it's a that was very clearly a I'm getting this signal out like a into beacon the world kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, beacon. Great. Yeah, great word. So, um, like it was all quite fascinating stuff. So I don't know. I think there'll be a little bit more law, but I think it will be in response to this. You know, I think it will be a holy crap. There's another force user. Seems pretty powerful. I should probably go and look at look at it. I'm now connected to this beam through the force, so I can track it. There's the MacGuffin. Let's go. And I turn up just at the time that everyone's down and out and boom, what's that? That's a lightsaber, you're knackered. Do you know what I mean? And then it's, you know, that gives, potentially gives the Mando a bit of space to bring out the best car and take on the dark saber with the best car. 
staff, which is clearly what's coming. You know, the, the best guy's staff is the the previous episodes of MacGuffin. You know, go and get the staff so that you can fight the Darksaber. It made it really... That was the only reason that he and Ahsoka fought, was just to prove that it could take a lightsaber. Um, so, <clears throat> I don't know, it's interesting, dude. I think they've really got this mixed down. I think they've really kind of got this mixed down of lore. And I didn't... At the beginning of the season, um, I didn't think it would be as well balanced when we started to see Cobb Vanth and it was very much like a freak of the week go and do this thing which I think it is still to a degree like the formula is always new place new person argument best friends common foe right see you later it's always that thing but it's just got the law splashed across it um hmm. so I, I don't know man it's, it's hard to tell because everything that we've predicted has just been completely shot to crap you know they've really They've really done a good job of keeping us on our toes. Um, so I, I honestly don't know, dude. Honestly, don't know. It's exciting. I'm staying out of it. It is. It yeah. is. Dude, this is like the most Star Warsy thing that we've seen. Like, it's got shades of Rogue One, you know, in that very honest representation of if you fight things, it's dirty and painful. <clears throat> Same as Solo, you know. If you get hit in the head with this teapot on the end of a stick, <laughs> your helmet's probably going to take a bit of damage. Whereas, like, the original trilogy and the prequels were like, oh, it's all good. No blood. Um, <laughs> so it's... Dude, it's just very, very good Star Wars. Again, I know we keep saying it, but it really, really is good Star Wars stuff. It's definitely very Star Warsy now. Because we mentioned in the when we were going through season one, that we were concerned to a degree that would Mando be able to stand up on its own two feet or will they have to start throwing in some big names to link it in and start to carry it a little bit because that wasn't the case obviously when we got through to the end of season one it was like this is just completely badass and it did feel like a more isolated thing in terms of what's going on in the timeline and also location within the galaxy and stuff. But now it's, it really feels like it's opening up a lot more. It definitely feels like, um, in terms of locations and characters and all that stuff and the lore that they're throwing in, it's just opening up the whole, you know, not to say that season one had tunnel vision, but it just feels like they can jump off to other things a lot more easily in this season. Um, because they've thrown in a lot more. There's like a, not a lot of name dropping and stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But one of the things that we did um, we did try to predict wrongly, I think because of our own personal opinions, but we kind of didn't want it to be, we didn't want that dude to be Boba Fett. We, we wanted him to be Rex or, or someone. So uh, what are your feelings on Boba Fett coming back then? Because we didn't really have a big explanation on exactly how we survived the Sarlacc pit. Didn't get any of that. We just had a very brief off the cuff, you know, I think he says something like you can be saved from all sorts of beasts, you know, at some point, whatever. But he's definitely back, dude. Boba Fett is back. So that should be a huge thing. But testament to the writing, it wasn't really. It didn't take away from what was happening with Grogu and, and Mando and stuff. So decent enough comeback, but it didn't sort of derail the story. Dude, it's so well balanced. I was so impressed with the writing on that um, and the, the positioning of it. And just as a kind of a preface to that, just to kind of pick up on, on, on that point, because I think it's very important uh, for the, the way the Mandalorian has been approached. You know, the Mandalorian standing on its own, it still does. 
and the way it uses the history of Star Wars, I think is fascinating. Like, it's like Favreau and Filoni and whoever else is involved has taken it upon their shoulders to take every plot point from Star Wars and just go, right, we're fixing it. Um, you know, even with Django being a foundling, because we're all like, ah, he's not a Mandalorian. He's just a bloody bounty hunter and the clones aren't really descended from Mandalorian. Then suddenly it's like he's a foundling, just like Din Djarin, who gets adopted as a kid and that's the Mandalorian way to find the kids. And if you, they see him, they look after him and train them, they take the Kree, blah, and then like, it's such a rich tapestry of, of, of history that they're then solving. And it just... It's one of those things, and we've said it a couple of times with some of the uh, some of the other things. You know, like um, uh, Revenge of the Sith makes Attack of the Clones better. Like Mandalorian makes Attack of the Clones better because you're like, he's a Mandalorian guy, and suddenly Rebels is better because you think, well, there's more history here, and all the anger that Boba Fett's got is much more well placed in Clone Wars and Rebels, and there is just so much of it that they've done so well to close these pot plot holes. So I think that was. That was good. Um, and the way that they did Boba Fett and the way that they made him a true Mandalorian and the way that they'd precursored that with um, Bo-Katan having that little bit of, oh, you're one of those traditionalists. Don't sweat it. We're just one of the other crew. And now Boba Fett's just one of the other crew. And so the, it was very well positioned. So Boba Fett... Um, I thought it was excellently handled. And I think we got a bit of a, here's how I escaped in episode one, when we saw the crate dragon get its, you know, its, its entire top blown off. Mandalorian with armor, with jetpack, can escape giant beasts. We said it right from day one, you know, that I think that's all the explanation we need. Um, <clears throat> so dude, just exceptionally well handled. Like I wasn't really that big of a Boba Fett fan. Like I've got a bit of Lego, got a couple of pictures, like, but I was just thought it's just a bit boring. Like it was all right in a, <laughs> Attack of the Clones, it was all right. We got Django Fett. It felt like Django at that point was in there just because we wanted to get more Boba Fett. But it was kind of cool that he, you know, he was the the donor, which is I think is a very interesting word, the donor for the clone army. And you know, when we now look at what Gideon's saying, you know, we've got our donor back. You know, is there a reason that they chose Boba Fett? Um, interestingly, hmm. so I think there's that that kind of side of it and. Like I say, he just wasn't an interesting character. He was a bounty hunter. He was just a bit of a bugger. Like in the Clone Wars and Rebels, he was a bit of a dick. But this episode, he was just... Like we saw him with his own people. <clears throat> like he was fair. He was reasoned. He was honest, which was weird. And then they just completely went out of the way. <clears throat> Excuse me, dude. Um, I'm sorry to listen. I've got a frog. Um, but he, he, he was just very clearly positioned as look at me i'm not just that anonymous bounty hunter that just shoots people my dad was a freaking badass clone and i was in the clone wars i was in the uh, the era of the empire i've survived five years on tatooine look at what i can do and i hate these motherfuckers who screwed me over so i'm and he was just badass man the, the way that they positioned him as like having the strategic patience to wait for the stormtroopers the fairness, the down the weapons approach, all I want is that thing and here's the deal I'm willing to make. The upholding the deal at the end, because when he saw the Razor Crest open, we knew he was going to get his armour, but we all probably assumed that that was it. He was going to bail at the end because his Boba Fett is a bit of a dick, he's a bounty hunter, and he didn't. So he, now he's part of the clan. 
for the next episode because there's no ship, the Razor Crest gone. So that's all on purpose to bring these guys together. Dude, it was just, it was excellently well done. Like Boba Fett now is an infinitely more interesting character to, 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 to me in particular. I think it's, I think it was so well done. Yeah, I totally agree, dude. It was, um, it was, and I was concerned that he would overtake what was going on because it, like he's, even though you're not a huge fan of Boba Fett, he does have a huge fan base as a character. So I thought, you know, are they going to play up to that and, you know, make this about Boba? But they didn't. It was kind of, you know, in a couple of places. But uh, but I've got two things to say on Boba. First one is I love the point that you picked up on that they set up exactly because this is what makes this this show so good. That first episode where they take out the crate Dragon and you see Mando do that. He survives because of the Beskar armor and the, the jetpack, you know, all that stuff. That's just, I didn't even clock it, dude. At the, but that's exact. They were, they were basically saying, they were sort of foreshadowing what, what Boba Fett was going to do or going to say, like, because they're similar sized creatures and all that jazz. So you just, after you've, after it was confirmed that Boba's back, it was like, yeah, that's probably how he got out of the Sarlacc creature in exactly the same way that they, that he got out of the, the crate dragon. That's just badass, man. I did not even link the two things together, which is cool. But two things I want to say about Boba is number one, I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people with this, but I really didn't agree with the change that they did in the original trilogy when they re-released some of them over the years and they changed the voice actor to, um, uh, What's the guy's name? Uh, Tamira Morrison. They changed his voice over from the original voice actor to his voice on one of the special editions. Everyone went mad. But now that you see the interconnectivity between everything and you realise that, holy shit, like he's back, you know, and now it just makes more sense to have his voice and have him actually link The Empire Strikes Back and the Mandalorian with this one character. Now that change in the special edition actually, or the Blu-ray edition, whatever it was, actually makes sense and does actually work because of this program. So that's going to annoy a few people who are purists and stuff. But but the second thing, and one thing that, and I'm sorry to, uh, you know, to take a wee on the bonfire, but I feel like the amount of badassery that we saw from Boba in this episode I feel like he could have got his armor back from Cobb Vanth pretty easily. That's the only thing I would say because he's just, he was just held off for so long, didn't he? And he was just ob- observing and like, he could have, he could have moved in, taken out Cobb Vanth and those guys. The, the way we saw him take out those stormtroopers, he would have, uh, he would have dropped Cobb Vanth really easily, got his armor years ago, job done. So that's the only thing that I'm questioning in my head. Like, why why wasn't he able to do that? You know? Yeah, I agree, dude. It's it's a thought I had this morning in the shower as well. The very same thing, like... And, and, and why not take it back from Mando on Tatooine? He obviously, obviously had the means to travel quickly. So why not go and do it? Just my little dog's just seen a cat outside, so she's going nuts. So if you're beautiful listener, can hear Molly. It's uh, She's chasing a cat. Um, we don't even have a cat. Um, yeah, I agree, dude. He obviously had a means to travel. He's got the slave one ship, which was brilliant to see that. Like when, when Mando said, we've got company, the first thing that I expected was just Gideon and the Empire and the Stormtroopers did not expect to see the slave coming down. I was like, oh, that's badass. Um, 
So I agree. Like he was tough enough. And then with, you know, Fennec Shan to have two of them, he could have just easily got it back. Um, it it kind of makes you wonder whether he was just, and I know this is just speculating. It's probably too deep thinking, but maybe he was just like that guy, that, that guy looks like my dad. He's got the same armor, you know, maybe there's some sort of subtle subconsciousness to it that they maybe they probably don't even need to mention it. But if they, if they wanted to rationalize, it, they could just say, yeah, you know, look at in attack of the clones he stares at a helmet that looks just like that one that that guy's wearing probably not seen that many mandalorians since he went in the old sarlacc pit so you know maybe that's why but i i agree man he could have took because timothy oliphant good looking guy not a great actor got to admit in my view sorry tim um you and dominic bornahan but not that tough either like timura morrison boba fett he could take him down easy easy Whack him in the head with your teapot. Yeah, maybe a little Chinese. It does it like a little Chinese uh, green tea. Definitely what thing. they've done, mate. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah. just gone. John Favreau's gone. Dave brought the old soldering iron in, the MIG welder. Dave's like, oh, funnily enough, got an old teapot here. What are you thinking? <laughs> what are you think? What are you thinking? How would this impact the armor of a store? Yeah, dude, that works. That works too. Big time, big time. And you can have a drink out of it as well. So efficiency in communications factors. Yeah. You're not looking at the whole pie, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Boba Fett. It was really cool. It was actually really cool to see him back. And uh, and the team up that we've now got, because he's like indebted, isn't he? He's like, I told you that I would make you. That was the deal that was made. So now he has to ful- fulfill that. So they're off to, uh, I think they said they were going to track Gideon down on his, um, it's not a Star Destroyer, is it? But his large cruiser, Imperial cruiser ship, whatever. So that's going to be pretty cool. But then just very quickly, um, it, it was kind of cool to see um, uh, Fennec Shand back as well because we thought she was left for dead back in season one. That dude that she teamed up with for a little bit, he shot her and left for dead and and that was it. So that's kind of cool. So that's like another person. It's a bit like the A-team. They're going to like A-team this, aren't they? They're going to, you know, get like a little band together. You know, so that's going to be cool. But I wonder if you can if, find them, yeah. if you can afford them. Exactly, mate. Yeah. So I wonder if, because he's gone to recruit, well, or get the help of Cara Dune back on Navarro. I wonder if this was that whole setup that we saw in episode one, you know, where at the end of that, Cobb Vanth was like, you know, I'm sure we'll meet again or if you need help, whatever it might be. Do you reckon What's this- is <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you reckon this is going to be that setup? Because we we said, didn't we, very early on that he's probably coming back at some point. So do you reckon that Mando's now going to do this thing where all the people that he's either helped or thinks is pretty badass that could help him with this, he's now going to go and recruit them and form like a little a little A-team squad and, and go and do it. So maybe Cobb Vanth is going to be recruited to go and help. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the feeling. But again, I mean I've I've sort of landed on the opinion that it's silly to try and even predict what Mando's going to do now, um, because we've we've got it that far off so many times, <laughs> and they just seem to be throwing these curveballs at us. That are, uh, when you look at them, they're very bloody obvious, very well written things. But actually, you know, they, they try not to give us what we expect. So. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I say yes, it's going that way. But I, I mean, the way that they've written it, I just don't know. But if you think about it, I mean, you know, Gideon's got the Darksaber, as we saw, and Bo-Katan wants the Darksaber. That's the only thing she wants to go and rule Mandalore. And then suddenly you've got Boba Fett, who I'm fairly sure will have 
some kind of history with Bo-Katan. Um, I can't remember whether they met each other, but I'm sure Django Fett, given that he was a founder and he fought in the Civil War, like that's a fair bit of heritage and creed that you can lean on to suddenly bring a full Mandalorian squad together. And if you've got five Mandalorians, plus Kara, plus Grief, plus Timothy Oliphant from the US version of The Office, he's like, he's probably the weakest one of the bunch, to be fair, but... Like, that's a pretty solid team. Like, he's the face man, isn't it? He's like face. He's going in, he's like, hey, you know what I mean? And then Mando <laughs> comes in, thermal detonates him. Everyone's a winner. But it feels like that's what they're trying to do. And then this unknown Jedi, and then the debate around Ahsoka. It feels like Ahsoka was probably a one-off, if I'm honest. Um, and she's off to try and, you know, stay on the throne trail. But is Gideon and Thrawn, are they together? Are they trying? Um, are they are they are they working together? We just do not know. Um, but I have to admit, yeah, dude, it does. It does feel like he's trying to pull a team together. It does feel that way, you know. Yeah, and almost just as a knee jerk reaction as well. It feels like he hasn't. Feels like he hasn't got the time to sit around and think like, what are we going to do? Like straight off the bat, as soon as he's teamed, as soon as Boba Fett says, right, don't worry, you know, we're with you on this. He's like, cool. I'm going to go and get some other people. We're going to go and do this like now. So I think next week's episode is going to pick up like bang on, like straight after that conversation with Cara Dune, mm-hmm. uh, who's also taken her job pretty serious. She's meant to be this badass mercenary kind of character. Now she's got a badge. She's Marshall. She's like, I'd love to, I'd love to help you, but I've been promoted. So, you know, so I thought, come on, come on, dude. Cara, can you uh, get back to the phones? I think we've been off it for a little bit long. Yeah, True. So, so that was a bit weird that she was like, all of it a sudden a she's got a martial badge and now she's like, oh yeah, this dude. Yeah, I know I said I'd help you any time that you needed help, but now that I'm working properly, you know, I can't jeopardize that. I've just got a car on finance. So <laughs> if this goes tits up, then I've got to send that back. So Just got a new speeder. I need uh, speed insurance has just come through <laughs> from Tesco. I'm just waiting for the uh, proof of no claims coming through from the old lot. But uh, yeah, and an well, iPhone 12. Got an on finance, not one of those to buy it up from. Why is my money actually? Ask Grief, he'll tell you. Um, <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, th- I feel like there's some other player going on there. Um, <clears throat> and what I believe the other player will be is that old policeman. Remember the policeman in the X Wing? Yeah, yep. I reckon it's those guys because what Kim. you need to take down TIE fighters and a cruiser, you need some spaceships. Um, and I think that's what the play is there, dude. I think the connectivity with the the New Republic is so that she can say, guess who we found? It's only a bloody and imperial cell and there's a moth here. <laughs> what are you doing here? Not because, because they're glad to see him, right? <laughs> so they send down the old X-Wings as, as a bit of support. And I think I, I just think that might be where that interlinks um, and why she's part of the Republic so that she can call in the backup when it's needed. Um, mm, that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm uh, I'm fascinated by it all. I I just think it's very very interesting how they've positioned it all. So we'll see what comes next uh, next week. But we need to talk about how badass uh, Giancarlo Esposito was. Like the first time he's really stretched his real acting chops as Moff Gideon. Yeah. Like we only got him for like three minutes, but dude, that guy is just he's such a good actor. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a sick actor. He's um he's got that real unsettling feel about him. You know, when you know when you have the baddie in a 
whatever TV or film, but they, they're not coming across as typical like pantomime theatre baddie. They've got this quiet confidence about them. And that's kind of like any second because he has the dark saber and stuff. Like if he wanted to, like any second, he could just like lop the kid's head off. I know that's a bit dark and morbid, but you know, he could do that at any time. But so he's got that kind of, uh, uh, I wouldn't say like full on evil. He's not like emperor, like Palpatine evil, but he's certainly got that unsettling darkness behind his eyes and he plays that really well so you can see that a combination of that alongside this kind of grin that he's got on his face he knows that his master plans now come into fruition he's got the asset that he's been after for so long he's got the dark saber he's got the dark troopers which he actually mentions as dark troopers so that we know that that's part of the law now because we didn't we didn't really know what they were before so you can tell he got this kind of confident grin on his face as well and that dude plays it so well man he's a he's a really good character but more importantly like you said is he in cahoots with thrawn or is this like a uh, we mentioned a couple of shows ago is he just forming his own cell to try and continue this kind of um you know the roadmap <laughs> for the yeah. for the empire sort of thing but yeah he's, he's badass dude he's really good he really is man and it, it, what's interesting is like you know knowing the emperor's character as we know him um, even with that stupid Exegol crap, you know, and we had, you know, you had Operation Cinder, which was, you know, if I get killed, take these key planets down. Um, and also take Naboo as well, just because dickheads. You know, it was it was an interesting thing that he, he had a backup, you know, and then he, he obviously had his Sentinels that, that had his holographic image in there. He had his clones. He had a way to transfer his essence you know, a person of the Empire's strategic, sorry, a person of the Emperor's strategic prowess, having, having had the patience to go through all the plaguey stuff and spend 30 years building the Empire under the noses of the Jedi and the Republic, there's nothing to say that this guy just didn't have five plans. You know what I mean? If that one doesn't work, this one probably will. If that one doesn't, that's all right. Thrawn's out there doing this. This is what he... If Thrawn ever hears that the Empire goes pear-shaped, this is what he should do. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is what the moths should do. Any other moths should do this thing. Um, so I, I've got a feeling that we'll start to get a little bit of that going on. Um, because it's so. it's really key, isn't it? You know, that, that strategic side of the Empire is very key to everything. Yeah, we also had that link, a kind of tenuous link, I suppose, a few episodes ago where they found that laboratory and they had those clones in the jars and one of them looked kind of like Snoke, Snoke, like the shape of his head and stuff. So there, there is a bit of a link between, yeah, like a, another plan that the Emperor might have in his back pocket. And now Gideon's just like, right, okay, now we're going to put this into action. We need these things to do it. And that's why he's been after Grogu and stuff and wanting the Darksaber and all that lot. So I think that is a thing, dude. But I also think he's got a little bit of his own agenda as well. It feels oh, like he's yeah, a bit power time. hungry with that stuff and wants to do his own thing, man. But yeah, you're right. And uh, and just to finish up, uh, something we noted earlier is, dude, stormtroopers, target practice. They suck. Come on, man. There There's was no training going on, is there? No, not at all. They're <laughs> not doing the reps. We, we shouldn't be as miffed about this as we are, but like, <laughs> come on. Like, I know there's a whole joke around stormtroopers can't shoot and all that stuff which has been a thing in star wars right from star wars episode four but yeah um 
it's always been a thing. But in this particular episode, it was dreadful. Like they've been on an all night bender. They can't see straight hangovers to shit. It's like this worse than usual. Yeah, they weren't great, dude. They weren't great. I noticed it as all run up the hill. You're like, oh, come on. They stood right there. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, they weren't great. But uh, there were a couple of other things that I thought was quite that I thought were quite interesting um, as well, outside of them being terrible. What I really loved was how we saw that patriarchal relationship with um, Mando and Grogu really. Like this entire episode was the reason that they'd spent so much time showing that bond forming so that when it was taken, it was wrenching. You know, that was a really well well thought out kind of thing. You know, right at the beginning of the episode, we saw him laugh. Every time he mentioned the name Grogu, the kid, you know, perks <laughs> to attention. Mando laughs. Like, what a softening of characters that is. And it just, what a really interesting thing. But I think it it's good because it kind of it kind of um, continues the patriarchal problems that all Star Wars main characters face. You know, Anakin had the patriarchal issues with, with Qui-Gon through to, you know, the, that, that relationship with Obi-Wan. Luke obviously got some serious patriarchal problems, as did Leah. Um, big time Kylo Ren stuff, you know, he's got some serious issues. And then now and again, we've got this patriarchal relationship, albeit in a slightly different way. You know, it's not positioned as a as a um, adversarial relationship like many of those are. It's very much a, an inversion of that, you know, that bringing together of two people or two beings that shouldn't really have that relationship. So I thought that was really nice thematically um, to pick up on. But, dude, we got to talk about the last scene. we got to talk about the... we got to talk oh, about yeah. Grogu mm. being a... Sorry, yeah. Being what's it like? So he was in the cell. I mean, let's just talk about the fact that, number one, they really made Moff Gideon evoke Vader in that scene. Like, he was Vader in that scene, down to the switches on the chest. Um, down to how he sweeps into the corridor, how he opens up the the door. Um, and then, you know, we see Grogu smashing through two stormtroopers like it's nothing and it's just fun. And, dude, obviously everyone on the planet that knows Star Wars noticed the fact that he was choking them out, dude. Oh, yeah, he was. He was definitely, like, I think that's how they got their comeuppance. After he'd, like, smashed them into the wall, like ragdolls for a little while. He's like, oh, I'm done now. But... Uh, but that dude, that was um, that's what I said earlier. It's like they've they've really opened it up to other things because in season one you would never have seen or even spoken about anything to do with the Force or the Jedi or anything like that. But now it's like we've got Ahsoka back, we've got Force communication, we've got Force energy and all that stuff. Now we've got typical stuff. I mean, this also it's interesting how they're going to do Grogu's progression if they do manage to rescue him from Gideon because Ahsoka was fearful that because of what's happened to him, she, it's not just as easy as like, yeah, we'll train him to be a Jedi because of what he's experienced. Those things around fear and all that stuff, as we all know, is like a path to the dark side. And then when you see him throwing stormtroopers around and choking them out, that's dark side stuff. Like right there, that's what Vader does at the end of Rogue One, walking down the corridor. He just, that's almost scene for scene. How they filmed that bit is like pretty much the same thing. So there's a bit of parallel between what Ahsoka said about him not being able to just go straight down the light side to Jedi. It's like, dude, he's doing his stuff. I know it's probably in self-defense, but it still feels very much like, whoa, this is like dark side stuff. So, um, yeah, it. I'm just so excited to see what's going to happen in the next two episodes because I know we're going to have the whole 
um, uh, Mando and his team doing the whole rescue thing. But equally so, will we see Grogu like escaping himself? Is he going to use some more Force stuff? Get out of his cuffs? Get out of the cell? Is he going to have a showdown? Maybe this other Jedi is going to help him out. I don't know, man. But yeah, that last scene was badass, man. Definitely. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because you've got you've got this very, very, very seemingly powerful Force user. And we didn't expect him to be this powerful. Like, has been on the scene stone, on, unlocked a lot of the stuff that he's remembered. Like, has he remembered how much he can control the Force? Um, you know, Ray was able to fight off Kylo Ren's mental attack without anything, you know. She was, she was just, you know, she just had the talent. This kid's been trained a little bit. Um, and it, it, that ties everything together into far as who stole him away from the temple. Why did they steal him? Was he important? Was it just the first youngling they could get and they just wanted to save any of them that they could? Or was it specifically, let's get that Grogu kid because he's very powerful? What What's going on with that? Um, and you're right, you know, as a Jedi, if you think of um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan in, in Phantom Menace, they always disable and disarm people. They'll just, those stormtroopers would have been thrown against the wall as hard as possible so as to not cause any permanent damage, but enough to knock them out so they were out of the way. That's what a Jedi would do. You know, so is, you're right. Is it fear? Is it a bit of dark side tendency? Because he was tormenting them, man. He wasn't, he didn't just throw them against the wall and knock them out, which is what he could have done and just take them out of play instantly. Same with Gideon. You know, theoretically, I know it tired him out and that was the little kind of, again, a bit of a MacGuffin where it's like, why don't you just do that to Gideon? All oh, right, I get it, you're tired. Like, that was the little plot point that drew, they wrote into it to explain why he didn't take Gideon on at that point. But still, someone with natural tendencies for the light side would have just smashed them against the wall and or, you know, with training, smashed them against the, mall, uh, against the wall, knock them out, jobs are good and see you later, I can live in peace for a little bit. But he didn't. He was tormenting him, man. So fascinating, fascinating. Did not expect that, dude. But yeah, really good way to finish the episode. Another question, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another... We've had loads of those throughout the season. And some of them have been answered. Um, but yeah, another like just big cliffhangery type thing as we as we go into the finale, which is going to be cool. So yeah, man, a really cool episode. So out of 10, then, mate, what are you going to give this one? Well... I actually think it was better than last week's and we gave last week an eight and a half. So I'm smashing out a nine on this one. I, I can't see anything wrong with this episode at all. I'm only not giving it a 10 because there might be a better episode. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that dude. I'll go over nine as well. Uh, and just very quickly, last thing, this episode was different to last week's in that it didn't feel like a set. Did you notice that? Yes, I did actually. I did. It was very well done. It, it evoked actor. It evoked um, very much that kind of Bendu approach that they had in Rebels. That very open space. That very, um, you know, it felt very Jedi. It was. It was like Jedi. You know, the, the, sure, the landscape and the greenery was different to Jedi and the Bendu stuff, but it felt very much like a place that the Jedi would be. You know, that at peace and that 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 connection to the kind of natural force. Um, so yeah, I thought it was very well filmed, very well produced. Yeah, just just what a good episode, man. Yeah, cracker. Right, that's going to do, I reckon, buddy, for episode eighty-five. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for coming back another week. 
and listening to the show. It's great to have you on board the Falcon as always. Any new listeners that have jumped on board, welcome to Spark of Rebellion. Anyone that's listened to us for a while now, welcome back, long-time listeners. Uh, if you like what we do here and uh, want to subscribe to the show, you can do that really easily. Just whatever whatever app you get your podcast on, just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. You'll find us on there or head over to the website, sparkofrebellion.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on there. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Again, just do a search for us. We, uh, we chat uh, Star Wars throughout the week, so come and get involved over there. And if you like uh, what we do here and you want to support the show, then you can do that via our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. Get yourself your laptop sticker or actually stick that wherever you want. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Just get your sticker, your SOR swag. You can get that from uh, various tiers. You can jump on from a dollar upwards. And to our current patrons, uh, thank you so much. And I know that a couple of our patrons are hugely into The Mandalorian and we've uh, had some conversations over on Twitter, which is really cool. So uh, a, a huge thank you to those guys who have supported the show uh, thus far. Uh, it's been a good one, dude. Not a good one. Yeah, man. Always good to chat and, and, and always even better to chat when there's an episode to really dig into. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed it, dude. We'll see you next week as we ramp up for the closure of The Mandalorian. Excited to see where it goes, man. So very, very excited for next week. Indeed, yes. Tune in same time next week to see what our thoughts are uh, on the next chapter. Until then, though, please take care of yourselves. Stay healthy, stay safe. Uh, We'll see you next time. And may the Force be with you always.